morning, early birds. You've caught The Worm, a podcast from Yellowstone Public Radio, rounding up reporting from our newsroom and Montana Public Radio. Today, we have stories about firearms on planes, funding for crisis response, and more. It's Friday, February 2nd. I'm your host, Kayla DeRoche. A former Montana governor has joined an effort to stop Donald Trump from appearing on Colorado's ballot as a presidential candidate. Montana Public Radio's Shaley Rager reports. The United States Supreme Court is considering whether to uphold or reverse Colorado's decision to disqualify Trump from the state ballot. Former Montana Governor Mark Roscoe and two other former Republican governors from other states submitted a brief to the high court in support of that removal. Roscoe, who once led former President George W. Bush's re-election campaign, spoke to MSNBC's Joy Reid. You cannot have taken an oath to support the Constitution of the United States and thereafter involve, engage, countenance, incite, or in any other way be involved with an insurrection against um, the United States of America. Roscoe has long criticized Trump. The former governor was rebuked by the state GOP last year for his endorsement of Democrats over Republicans in recent elections. Montana U.S. Senator Steve Daines, who is leading the GOP effort to regain control of the Senate this cycle, called the Colorado decision a disgrace, donated to Trump's legal defense fund, and asked the Supreme Court to overturn the decision. In Helena, I'm Shaylee Riker. A series of delays at the federal level will impact when students start receiving financial aid offers from Montana colleges. Montana Public Radio's Austin Amistoy spoke with one student to hear how she's navigating the roadblocks. 18-year-old Park High School senior Gracie Peterson has had her sights set on Montana Tech's nursing program for years. That was the one for me in my head is like, you need to go to school, complete this, and become the best you can in the healthcare industry. Peterson recently learned she'd been accepted to the university in Butte, and she's eager to move on to campus this summer. But one hurdle is still in her way. She's been unable to complete the free application for federal student aid, better known as the FAFSA. The form has had a troubled rollout this year, marked by delays and access errors, according to NPR. It is a stressful thing, even with like school going on, because I, as a senior, I'm in a few harder classes. It's going to be a lot. The FAFSA is many prospective college students key to affording their education, but federal officials this week said universities won't start receiving financial aid data for applicants until March. That's forcing students and the universities to adjust. Leslie Dickerson heads the Enrollment and Admissions Department at Montana Tech. We're really just trying to be uh, as nimble as possible and being prepared to respond to students and families as they ask questions. Montana Tech is also pushing students to apply for scholarships, and it's considering tweaking requirements for awards that are tied to data provided by the FAFSA. Dickerson is hopeful a streamlined FAFSA will make it easier to access financial aid in future years. For now, student Gracie Peterson says she's still excited for college, even if her path to paying for it is uncertain. In Missoula, I'm Austin Amistoy. $4 million in state funding could soon help mental health providers resurrect services for those in crisis. But Montana Public Radio's Aaron Bolton reports providers worry about keeping that care available long term. 
Mental health crisis facilities can look different depending on the level of services they offer. People in crisis can voluntarily go to what are called receiving centers to just chat with mental health professionals. CEO of Many Rivers Whole Health, Sydney Blair. Envision a recliner. And, um, hey, have a seat. Uh, What do you think you need today? Then there are stabilization services. Those are isolated hospital beds which offer more intensive care for someone who may be a threat to themselves or others. The idea is to de-escalate and stabilize patients. And maybe there's a medication change or maybe they're getting started on something. After patients are stabilized, they're connected to long-term treatment. But these facilities have been closing for several reasons. Medicaid reimbursement isn't enough. Counties have pulled financial support. Staff is hard to find. Governor Greg Gianforte last week approved grant funding to help providers reopen those services, a state commission that is allocating $300 million to rebuild the state's mental health system requested the funding. Blair is thinking about applying for grants to restart crisis services in Cascade and Lewis and Clark County. Other providers are also thinking about it, but some are not because they don't see a way to sustain crisis care. The services are desperately needed, but Montana is a rural state, meaning that beds can sometimes sit empty. If you don't have that volume, then you're going to continue to cost shift to cover the loss. Many Rivers is part of a federal pilot program that would reimburse for the total cost of those services. But it needs to find a way to reopen and keep these services going while that program gets off the ground. In Columbia Falls, I'm Aaron Bolton. Lolo National Forest officials are starting an environmental review for a proposed plan to manage the forest. Officials this week published a draft land management plan that will guide their decision-making on all things from recreation and ecology to cultural heritage for the next decade or more. The current plan hasn't been revised since 1986. In a letter announcing the draft, Forest Supervisor Carolyn Upton identified some issues already raised by the public. Those include how the plan might impact ecosystem connectivity and the economies of the communities near the forest. The announcement opens a 60-day period to submit comments on the proposal. Officials expect a draft environmental impact statement taking those comments into account will be ready late this year. Yellowstone County residents will have an opportunity to voice their opinion on county government and if they think it needs review. Yellowstone Public Radio's Kay Erickson reports. Yellowstone County commissioners have scheduled a public hearing this month to hear from voters their thoughts on local government and the government study commission election. Yellowstone County Commissioner John Oslin says, to his knowledge, Yellowstone County voters have never voted for a study commission. Most of the time when I've talked to the citizens, they think that smaller government is better government. And uh, one of the quotes that stuck in my mind the most was, show me the first time you've seen bigger government be better government, I will vote for it. The Montana Constitution requires local governments to hold an election every 10 years during the primary election in June and ask voters if they want to set up a commission to study local government. The public hearing is Tuesday, February 13th at 9.30 a.m. in the Stillwater Building in downtown Billings. After the hearing, the commissioners will pass a resolution setting the June 4th primary election as the date of the vote on a county government study commission.
I'm Kay Erickson Billings. Chronic wasting disease has been detected in a new hunt area in Wyoming. This week, Wyoming Game and Fish confirmed CWD in a buck mule deer tested in December in a deer hunt area near Lander in west central Wyoming. This new area is bordered by regions where CWD has already been detected. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recommend hunters do not consume any animal that is obviously ill or tests positive for CWD. The neurological disease is 100% fatal to deer, elk, and moose. Game and Fish announces when CWD is found in a new hunt area to ensure hunters are informed. Montana is above the national average for the number of firearms detected in carry-on baggage on commercial flights. Bozeman Yellowstone International Airport had the highest number of violations in 2023. For every 82,000 people screened, a firearm was discovered. It's not only firearms that are confiscated at security checkpoints. Yellowstone Public Radio's Orlinda Worthington visited Bozeman's airport to learn what other restricted and unusual items TSA screeners collected. That is a ton. TSA agent Erica Richardson continues unpacking confiscated items to show me. Brass knuckles, hammers, a grenade replica, a few of the hundreds of prohibited items left behind by passengers who had them in their carry-on bags at airports in Bozeman and Billings in just the last six weeks. Large wrenches, gold dog grooming shears, and a bowling pin painted like Santa Claus. So if it looks like a bludgeoning device, even if it's as friendly as this cute little Santa, that's perfect for checked baggage. Lori Dankers is a TSA spokesperson for Montana. She says other prohibited items commonly found at airports in the state include bear spray, ammunition, and power tools. I see an electric drill and a sander. Avery Edwards is with TSA Security. So we see these from time to time with a lot of tradesmen who travel. Maybe their check bags was too heavy, so they pull out the heaviest item, not thinking that it cannot go in a carry-on bag. The most unusual item Edwards has discovered? I think I had a passenger who had a favorite shoe, and when his shank kind of wore out, he took knife blades and insert them in the shoe and glue it back up and, you know, to provide support. And it wasn't intentional, but he just didn't think. So did that gentleman have to then go on the plane without shoes? No, he had, <laughs> he had a, a, a second <laughs> pair of shoes. In Bozeman, I'm Orlinda Worthington. TSA.gov has a page called What Can I Bring with specific information on what you can carry on, what goes in checked luggage, and how to pack a firearm. And that's what's happening in Montana today. For Yellowstone Public Radio News, I'm Kayla DeRoche. We'll have another episode of The Worm for You Early Birds Monday morning. The Worm is a production of Yellowstone Public Radio. Theme music composed and recorded by Zach Jones at Rapscallion Recording. Metal Art Call captured by Jay McGowan for the Macaulay Library. More information about The Worm is available at ypradio.org.